Hello, everybody. What is up? What is up? Another edition of Sims and Lefko. It is that beautiful Monday, May 21st weather out there, Sims. Yeah, yes, and we're it stuck is. stuck inside. It's getting there. We're stuck only for a little bit, but I mean, the day is bright. You're wearing a maroon shirt. We're all happy. I yep. mean, is it unbelievable? What did you just tell Woody to only buy maroon? Your marketing is top button swag. I like to stick to maroon. There's a pattern here. What a maroon. I love maroon. Do you not like the color? No, I've no. actually never seen you wear the color maroon. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, don't, I have a few things. Like, I have a sweater. Maroon I, and olive. Those are my two colors. Yeah, but you can get away with it maybe more than I can. Oh, thanks. I, well, well yeah. I, I roll royal colors. Well, and you're 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 got a little darker complexion. Exactly. I am so white. Sometimes colors like that look stupid on when me. When I was a sports uh, news reporter in Kentucky, they mm-hmm. had this uh, consultant, this woman, come in, and they said, "Bring all of your clothes that you wear on television, mm-hmm. and we're going to help you with your look." And I was like, "Okay." So I brought all my shirts and all my ties. I laid them out, and it's yellows and pinks and baby blues. Yeah. And she goes. What are you doing? I go, I love these colors. She goes, no, no, no. You're dark red, dark blue. I was like, okay, fine. So I threw, the, and you are the opposite. You're all pinks and yellows and baby well, blues. blues and stuff. I am definitely that. You would look good in those colors, too. Though. I look ridiculous. I like your sneakers, too. Thanks. They're almost as cool as my PGs, but they're... I'm okay. wearing Air Max 270. Like Freshest kicks. Though. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you get down to the royal wedding? You were all about it. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I like when I woke up in the morning, I'm not going to lie. I woke up, let's say, what was that, Saturday morning? Yeah. Uh, my little boy's baseball game got canceled. And That's then, a good thing as a parent, right? It was a good thing. It was nice to be able to just like, oh, I can sit here and drink this coffee and screw my kids. I don't have to worry about watching them. <laughs> That's or what I thought. Doing of. soft pitch baseball and going, oh, great hit. Oh, it was strike 72. Great hit. <laughs> but um, yeah, you watched some I turned of it? it on. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It is amazing. Just I'm amazed by just the wealth, the architecture, yeah, the castles, yeah, all that stuff. I don't really care about like the royalty being married or anything I, like I'll that. I'll say this: it was a cool event. It's really not cool when you're in a relationship, though, because it's like, ooh, people are like taking notes. Oh, I should have that at my wedding. Yeah. I'm like, they had forty million dollars of security. Okay, it's not realistic. <laughs> George Clooney and Serena aren't showing up. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's it's crazy. It's another it, world. It feels like a travel back into time. But yet, it's a great look into the future. Progress, mm. progress. Yes, and England's being made. Man, yeah, it's cool. It was cool. It was cool to see English embrace the, you know, African American culture yes. a little bit, and and you know, really. That was seen... what I thought. I was like, he went up there and started speaking about Dr. Martin Luther King, and I was like, I I don't know how well versed all these old. English people are. Yeah, and but they seemed, they seemed cool. It was it good. Is cool. You like their dress? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't like my, I wasn't blown away by it. I don't know. We're, this is not our topic. I have no idea. But what is our topic is players not getting paid. I saw what Avengers. They oh, okay. Sorry. You saw Avengers? I saw Avengers. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, was it good? Grand. Shocker. Who's the Thanos of the NFL? Shocker. Oh, the Thanos of the NFL. Yeah. Probably like Richard Sherman. What? I don't know. No, like the guy that construct. I feel like Belichick oh, is the Thanos. I guess so. Or it might be Goodell. Yeah, I was thinking of somebody with a little more physical might. I mean, Thanos did beat the crap out of the Hulk. I mean, he made the Hulk game. He made the Hulk scared to come out. Yeah, that was pretty what awesome. What the hell? The Hulk saying no. What's going on here? Did your kids cry? 
No, but they were shocked. Like literally, when they when the screen went by from Danos, they took their glasses off and looked at me and they said, "That's it." And I was like, "Yep." I was like, "Man." I was like, we're not used to the Avengers losing, are we? Yeah. And my wife was like, I can't even believe it. So were your kids like questioning everything that was no, right they, in the world? No, they were all right. They handled it. They handled it okay. That's honestly what I thought about when I watched Avengers was how are little kids going to handle that? Yes. Because for me, I'm like, yes, let the hero die. I haven't seen this story before. But kids like... As a parent, it's got to be. I'm going to show. My, I'm going to show them how to battle through adversity. They're going to think they're going to lose and they're going to win. And we go home and we learn about trying hard. Yeah. Well, no, nope, losing's part of the world. Sorry. Reality check. Join it. <laughs> I don't care. Avengers teaching lessons. We have a lot of stuff to get to today in terms of big names not being at OTAs. And I just want to tap into Sims's big brain and go: Is this for real, mm-hmm. or is this something small? So we have Brady, Odell, Aaron Donald, and Julio. All really interesting conversations. I got some, whoa, big off-seasons, and we got that swag-tastic. Guys that just have ridiculous, ridiculous swag. Let's start off first. Show me the money. Tom Brady skipping OTAs. Oh, no. Is this serious, or is this just an 18-year, 19-year vet being tired? Uh, no, this is serious. There's, there, it's serious. There, there's definitely stuff there. Yes. There, I know that. I, I know that. And wait, I don't, wait, You know. Well, I know so there's stuff there. you've talked to humans. I have talked to humans. I, I don't know all the particulars of the story as far as Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, all of that yet, the trade, all the stories we've heard through Seth Wickersham and yes. all of that stuff. But I've got little inklings of the story here and there. All right, so share so some of your nuggets. I will. So first thing I think we have to talk about is, I mean, it's, it's, who gives a crap if, if he's there or not there at OTAs? I mean, it's don't worry. Tom Brady's going to be able to throw the slant route next year and yeah. the post route and the in-cut. He'll be fine. It's not his first rodeo. He understands the offense, and he's going to be prepared and ready to play. And for anyone that says, but he's a leader of the team. We just went through this last year. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox didn't show to OTAs. The biggest thing was he's a leader on the team. Right. They were fine. Aaron Donald he wasn't was an OTAs all pro either. Right. Yes. Exactly. So right. that whole storyline is bullshit. Yes. I'm more curious. The, there are still issues in there, apparently. Yeah, there's definitely issues. And, and, and yes, of course, I know people connected to the situation, in the situation. And I don't have all, like I said, all the details you of this. You have some puzzle pieces, But though. I do have some puzzle pieces. And, and the, basically what I was, I've was i been told, really, over the last like three weeks, when it's just come up in conversations with people I had, is that, yes, that, that Belichick uh, was starting to push the narrative inside the building of, Maybe this should be the last year for Tom Brady. As in last year last or year, this yes. year? And maybe we should start to go forward with Jimmy Garoppolo here for the betterment of the organization for the next 10 years going forward. And I think that was something that maybe he was hoping for or whatever. And these are the little details I don't plan. have yet. Yes. But nonetheless, and then the, what I've been understood to this point, too, is that word got back to Brady, basically. Word got back to Brady that, that, that this was being floated around in the organization. That's where he butts in and gets into Mr. Kraft and finds out and goes, I'm going to play three to five more years, you know, do something about this, basically. Whether that's trade Jimmy Garoppolo or get on Bill Belichick. But that is the basic outline I have received. You know, again, like I said, I don't know all facts. I don't know if I'm ever going to know all the facts. But all the stories I've been told are along those lines. So you're hearing that word was going around that Belichick was saying last year was the last year for Brady. Yeah. 
Tom Hurt mm-hmm. went to the owner, yep. said, no, no, no. And the owner went to Belichick and said, trade Garoppolo. Pretty much. Yeah. My question is, Some shape who, or is form of who that. is Belichick talking to that it would get out? I, I don't know. The yeah. image of Belichick, in my mind, is the ultimate secret keeper. Yeah, I, I the, don't know. the garage door that locks his draft board preference. Exactly. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was the Crafts that told Tom. Who knows? Because that would be the one that I would think sure. that he goes to Robert goes, to Robert, here's my plan for the future. Right. I'm going to say that this is the last year of Tom, and then we're going to go to Jimmy, and we're going to keep playing. And then Robert was like, my son, Tommy, this is Tommy. what Bill's saying to you, Tommy. <laughs> and then Tom was like, Dad, no. no. And then he I went to Bill. Longer. Yeah, I <laughs> This is a common mistake coaches make with players that are involved in their organization too long. They forget that they have relationships around the organization too. They forget that. This has happened to me with like my spleen thing in Tampa. You know, there was being things spread around the organization, whether that was from Gruden or people just not wanting what to talk. What kind of things? Well, whether it was a document that went out about not discussing my spleen or my injury and anything right. like that, so there's no legal ramifications. But. People in the organization liked me, and they'd been around for six years, and you know me, I'm a nice guy, and I'm, yeah. I'm pretty pleasant to everybody. And people came up to me and started telling me what was going on behind some of those meetings. And I, yeah. wanted, to be, you know, I wanted to be like, Damn, yeah, people like me too. And, of course, that's going to happen in New England. This is making me think something. Right, right. Whenever we see a retirement tour, mm-hmm. we always see the guys get away with a lot more. When Kobe's going on the retirement tour or these baseball players, it's a big celebration. They can say things that we don't care. Francesa, get away with murder. Fall asleep at the radio station. We're just happy to have you. Yeah. What if all of the leeway that Belichick was giving Brady, his own trainer, his own thing, because he knew in the back of his mind that Tom was going to be gone after this year, and now all of that leeway has been turned against him because Tom went behind his back and got three, four more years out of it. It's an interesting concept. I mean, that kind of pettiness would go on in the NFL, certainly, yes. And, you know, also, I think within all that and that story, and then, of course, Malcolm Butler and the Super Bowl, oh, which man. players are definitely disappointed by that. Um, I, I I think the other thing is, of course, Tom Brady, I, I do think the contract situation is real this time around. What do you mean? I just think that he's got to be looking at it going, damn, we've talked about him not being appreciated, which was the guy that, is his friend setting up the conversation? I plead the fifth. Right. So, so he definitely yes. He signed off on that question, right? He doesn't feel appreciated, right? So we know that. I mean, if you're just gonna we're gonna play a Jedi mind tricks and try to read between the lines, yes, that and would you're be either way not appreciated because of your salary or because the way you're treated, yes. And his salary, he's not a top five paid quarterback. No, and I think he's. I mean, in, here in recent in recent past, we're seeing a guy that again in Super Bowl Fifty One, he spotted the guy a twenty five point lead, and he came back to win the. Super Bowl, be the MVP, be the first-time quarterback, be, have five Super Bowls, and then follows it up the, su- the next season with an NFL MVP, and he goes, what? I'm being paid half as much as that guy I played against in Super Bowl 51 and beat? Yeah, Matt Ryan gets $100 million and Tom Brady goes, That's got to eat at him. I don't care. I mean, this is again where I want to go, do you want him to be a competitor? Because Tom's a competitor, and he yeah. wants to be paid like he's... Also, yeah. Yeah, I think a, a better comparison yeah. for Brady yeah. is Breeze. Right. Breeze gets there you go. $30 million, right. and then $30 million the next year, not guaranteed, yeah. but it's really $30 million, it's, yeah, right. and Brady's sitting at what? But Brady's sitting at like probably eight... I can look it up as we're sitting here. Let me do probably that. Probably like 18, 19? It's something like that. It's right around that area. 
And he's he's you know he's always praised as being someone that gives his back. His base salary is fourteen million this year. His cap hit is twenty two million. So how do you think this ends? Tom Brady, he's going to end up coming back, or do you think that they end up giving him a new contract? Yes, because I think Belichick's gonna... not going to do it, but Kraft could do it. Yeah, I think they're going to find some way to sweeten the pot for him and Gronk at some point here to give them a little bit more money. At some point, he will either get to training camp a day early and he'll have a talk with Bill. Yep. I don't think it'll ever be like rosy reds, but they're both going to be professional and go, let's go win number six. Because and they're that'll both be focused. It. They yeah. are. And they'll probably, in my eyes, I look at it as then Brady will retire in a year for two. They won't talk for four or five years. It's going to be like Montana and Bill a Walsh. A little bit. And then they're going to go, damn, we were awesome together, and let's wax poetically Are about how really good we were. Are there really any relationships between Hall of Fame coaching quarterbacks that really last the, te- yeah, the test of time? It's not like, a lot. Like Terry Bradshaw. Let's think about him. Chuck Knoll gave him a tough time, right? Yes. Chuck, no- uh, Chuck Knoll, yeah. Uh, Bill Walsh tr- uh, got rid of Joe Montana yeah. with like three years left. He was trying to replace him with Steve Young many times before that. Um, Jimmy Johnson didn't like Troy Aikman. I mean, because there's this ego for guys that are successful, yeah. and they all think that they deserve the credit. Right. I was talking to my, my Patriots fan, Ruby, over the week, and he goes, but doesn't Belichick realize that Tom Brady has a little bit of time left? And I said, well, Ruby, shouldn't Brady realize that Belichick has a little bit of time left? Like, everyone thinks that you should be focusing on Brady's yeah, legacy, yeah. and I'm going, if I'm a Patriots fan, I am giving a lot more credit for the five Super Bowls to Bill Belichick than I am Tom Brady. Yeah. Now, I don't have a 12 jersey. I'm not a Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. But Belichick is sitting there going, I thought Garoppolo gave me the best chance for the next five years. Brady maybe gives me the best chance for the next two. Right, right. And I think Belichick's thinking about his legacy, but no one thinks about his legacy. They only think about Brady's legacy. No, it is. It's more of a player thing, legacies. You're right about that. And, you know, again... Not to paint Bill in any bad picture here. I mean, Bill's doing his job, which his job he is, always to, will. is to worry about the New England Patriots football organization yes. and win games, not now, but in the future, and set his team up for those things. So, yeah, it's an interesting position Patriot fans are in because, yeah, I understand. Yeah, you want Brady one or two more years. And you root but, for the jersey. Right, exactly. There's but, no Bill Belichick hoodie with his name on the back that no, you can buy at the NFL shop. No, but do, you know, the problem is what the Patriot fans might have to deal with, which I don't know. But if if Brady does retire a year from now mm. or next, you know, you're not nearly in as good a position as you would have been set up for success for the next ten to twelve years if you had kept Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line, and that's that's always a tough thing in sports. I think that's my question now: is of all the rooms that you could be in during this Patriots issue, yeah. I think my room would be I want to be with Kraft and Brady and I want to I want to hear who's complaining, who's whining, what's the plan? Are they game planning against Bill? Right. Um it just no, shows I think you Mr. Kraft is going to be like the babysitter here. He's going to try to make sure they mend the relationship to be successful working. He's going to be one the dad that doesn't hurrah. want his son. Exactly. Fighting. He's going to be like, come on, come on, let's you know, one more hurrah here. You know, it's it's the benefit for everybody, not only the money, but the legacies of both, whatever, the organization, yeah. all of it. It's really interesting. It is. It's fascinating. So you think Brady gets more money and he ends up showing back up for training camp? Yes, I do. OTAs really don't matter. Not not to Tom Brady. Come on, it's year nineteen. Trust me, he he's got it all down. All right. So we know that Brady and Belichick have swag. So. Mm-hmm. 
let's play that swagtastic. Swagtastic. What movie am I quoting there? That's swagtastic. I, I know just that. changed fantastic yeah, to what, swag. Yeah, what I think it's Billy is, Madison. Is that Billy Madison? That's fantastic. You're right. I think you're okay. right. Uh, first one is Tyree Kill. Yeah. This man has swag. We do a lot of speed drills, Tyree Kill says. Guys are calling me out left and right. It's too easy. He just races guys all summer, and he says, I smoke them. Mm-hmm. He got really upset that he's only a 97 in Madden yes. and actually reached out to the video game to try and get it up to 99. I have spoken with someone at EA, I'm the fastest in the league. You know what I'm saying? I need my credit. Right. He, let's start there, though. Right. Is Tyreek Hill the fastest NFL player currently, in your mind? All right, so it's in the two position groups, right? It's Wide all, receiver and cornerback. That's, that's all there is to it. No one else There's really no matters. running back that I think no. we can put in that class right now, right? I'm not missing. There's no CJ2K type speed. No. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. But yeah, no. no. So it's a receiver or a DB issue, right? DBs right now, you know, who are we going to put in well, that conversation? I don't know. Patrick Peterson, but right? I think he, I don't think he's as fast as he once he was. Either. Like Jalen Ramsey can still fly. I don't think he's that fast. I don't know if he is either. And he's deceiving. He's a long strider. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any DBs there. I think. I think of John Ross, the wide receiver for Cincinnati, just because he ran the 4 2. Right. And you I think, think of. Which person? There's one more that's a good one. I think a Marquis Goodman. That's that what was, I was going right. to say, too. That was the yeah. first one my mind went to. Because he's go. literally like an Olympic 100-meter dash guy. Yes, exactly right. I mean, he's got phenomenal explosion, the type of seed. But I do think that Tyreek Hill's the fastest in the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. I would put in that For race, sure. too. I would definitely put in the race. But I would say Tyreek Hill... From my 37 years of football, and let's just cancel out the first five when I wasn't really watching intu- <laughs> intuitively... Tyreek's conversation for the fastest ever. Really? I, I mean, I don't know if I've seen anybody on the field other than Dion faster than Tyreek Hill on the field. Dion Sanders, Dion Sanders, Green, Daryl Green, Randy Moss in yes. his early years, um, maybe Bo Jackson, and I'm trying to think if there's anybody like Willie Galt, member from the Ooh. old Bears team, who was also a four by one hundred sprinter. Those would be the guys that he's in the class with. I mean, it's that kind of speed. I don't know if anybody can beat him in the first ten yards. It's the quickest explosion. That's the thing that yeah. he might have over everybody. Yes, I think so. Randy Moss's strides might give him an advantage. Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders' long speed was incredible, but Tyreek Hill's ability to catch a ball at a standstill and separate in five and be yards, full speed in three steps. The fact that he's able to have multiple clips of him running past people with a peace sign yes. up? Yes, yes. You need nobody. to be so far ahead right. of people. Right, uh, Devin Hester might have been in this ooh. conversation in his prime. Because I have I know I've told you what my Texas friends that were on that Chicago team with Devin Hester. I mean, Nathan Vasher, who was one of he the He ran fa- like a 4-3. He ran a 4-3. He was one of the fastest guys I was ever around. And he had a 109-yard kick return for a touchdown. Yes. Remember? We returned the yes. field goal. And I remember just going, man, Nate's going to be amazing returner. But on the next year, he was benched as a returner for Devin Hester. And I was like, what happened? He's like, he was like, man, Sims, man, you never seen Devin Hester? Woo! That motherfucker can run. Woo! I'm telling you, like, run, run. I can't believe that Nathan Vasher and Kermit the Frog had the same. Stuck like that a little bit. My friends out there don't know. I'll say, Nate, what up? Uh, He also went on to say this. You know, he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, and everyone can say he can throw far. Yeah. He was asked, can Patrick Mahomes outthrow you? And right. Tyree Kill said, there's no quarterback who can overthrow me. It's not even possible. 
I see for me, yes. I would like to see Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes go, I'm going to throw this as hard as I can. Yes. Let's see if Tyree can catch it. I, that that's fun to me. He can manipulate. That's what it. they should do for the Pro Bowl. Is it should be, okay, you throw it at ten yards right. and our quarterback's gonna see if he can out throw you. Right. And it's that just could be fun. it's just like a nerf. Like ah Because what people like like guys like Tyree Kill or big time receivers, whether that was Joey Galloway who I played with or Roy Williams uh, coming out of Texas, that they, they have that true speed. I will say this about all great receivers. Yeah, Joey Galloway, you didn't say. They, I did. I said Joey. Okay. They have the ability to go to another gear when the ball's in the air that mm. you don't even think they have, and that's usually where they run by DVs. Like we had the saying with Joey Galloway that highlight you showed last week. Yes. If he's even, he's leaving. Yeah, because when the ball was in the air, he was able to put his head down and go to another gear that the DBs were not able to go to. Tyree Kill has that gear. It's special. By the way, yeah. go to Sims and Lefko Instagram and check out, I posted a minute highlight of Sims in the playoff game against Washington. Your throw was ah. the amount of people that were like, that was beautiful. I didn't know Sims could throw like that. I, I, I wish <laughs> Sims could play for my team. No, It's so funny that no one really knows, yeah. but your throw to Edel Shepard. Yeah. Yeah, no, that what was an a tough arc. One. What oh, a spiral. Perfect spiral. Yep, I know. Ugh. That was a good one. That's a shame. That one would hurt me forever. Damn. Yeah. And damn. You, you, you got the edge. You dove in the end zone. You look like an athlete. All those cool things. Man. You know? Now you're stuck here with me. <laughs> one more swag-tastic. Swag-tastic. Dante Jackson. Yes. Cornerback drafted by Carolina out of LSU. He which be really in this conversation. For, yeah, that's, I, was, I didn't want to say him because I knew it was going to get to him. Okay. But the S in LSU should stand for swag. He said it's he was asked about trash talk, and I, I took the best quotes from this article because there were like ten. Quote, it's hard not to talk back to me because I'm just gonna keep going, Jackson said. They'll get used to it though. So Dante <laughs> Jackson's gonna be talking a lot of trash next year. I'm happy about that, and he's on the right team. Yes. The Panthers talk trash. Yep. He says, I play with confidence. I'm gonna talk about it. Walk it like a talk it like a talk it. So he obviously likes the Migos. And he ended like this, too. Asked if he learned how to talk. He said, nah, I was born. Born, yeah. So Dante Jackson, we got. I'm going to keep my eyes on yeah. him. We got ourselves a little swag-tastic guy down there in Carolina. I'm excited for it. Yeah, he, they needed him. They got rid of Josh Norman. Yes. They needed a guy Made on that side guy. to talk. Yes, you got you to gotta have that guy. And he's a human missile. I mean, he is. He will be in the conversation for fastest guy in football. He was one of my favorite guys in the draft. I mean, again, he was 178 pounds, nickel corner, and people always go, oh, he was 178 pounds. But yet the fourth pick of the draft was 180 pounds, but that was no problem with that. That's what, I, that's what drives me Denzel crazy. Ward, yeah. Right, he's 180. He was two pounds heavier, but there was no problem with that weight. But Dante Jackson, there was a problem. It was two yeah. pounds. We're that's, very selective. Yes, with our, with our criticism. Exactly right. But, man, he is going to be perfect fit for them, too. I mean, he's, a, he's the ultimate nickel back in the NFL. Which I think there's more value than other people do. There, he can't yeah. guard the outside. Guys, everybody's putting their best receiver in the slot now. Yeah, they do. I know. I don't care. What is it? LSU. I mean, they just, why do they got so many cool guys? Um, man. They got a lot of cool mother. Yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit of culture. I'd say it's also like a history of success. Yeah. And uh, I think it's the they region. Seem to be given freedom. Yeah, the region too. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Who, who are we talking like cool Honey guys? Honey Badger. Um, Odell, Jarvis. Odell, Jarvis Landry. Which one? Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson. Damn. Um, I know. And there's so many. We're not. Leonard Fournette Jones. has swag. Leonard Fournette has swag. Yeah. 
Quan Alexander. Damn, they. Do. I mean, it's no, just, there's so many more. They're, they're such ballers. There. We should do that though. Sometimes, like pick the colleges. We should officially make seat, like cornerback U, QB U, and like vote on it. We probably should start doing that stuff, anyways. We're like, I mean, it's not like we're gonna have a million stories here. We could do that kind of stuff. Are you doubting my ability? No, I'm not. Let's keep your it ability. going I'm because just... when there's stories like Johnny Manziel signing with the CFL, holy cow, there's enough material. Do you give a fuck? I didn't mean to come off that strong, Joe. Sorry. No. Do you care? To this a is a story about Johnny Manziel. I should just start doing newspaper mm-hmm. for Let me get my camera really quick. This is how people do Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel has signed with the Canadian Football League, proving that he wants to prove himself to the NFL. He'll likely go there for a few months, show that he can handle the rigorous schedules of the Canadian Football League, and then likely sign with a team. NFL teams are willing to say that they're going to keep an eye on Johnny Manziel until he's ready to come to the league. <laughs> That's the story that I hear all the frickin' time, yes. right? Yeah. Does it really matter that much to NFL teams? Is this really the proving ground? You've always said, is this the point to, to prove himself? It's the only way he's going to be able to prove himself. I look at what it. What is the NFL view of the Canadian Football League? That it's there's some hidden gems up there, and that there's they're playing football. It's a little different rules, but there's players up there that have been slipped through the cracks. Uh, it's going to be constantly evaluated. I mean, when I was in New England, I had to make tapes of Canadian Football League guys. Is there practice schedule, game watch, all that stuff, is it similar to an NFL week? Uh, yes, it is. It's, okay, so yes. that's important. Yes, it definitely is. I mean, you're going to be a total, he's not to be a professional, and I think that's where it's going to go. And then also with like the CFL rules, I think you have to be there for like two years, right? So he can't just leave after one year. Stop, he has yeah. to be there for two yeah, years? Yeah, which is going gonna, gonna to take, not one, one good year is not going to go, the NFL is going to go, oh! Uh, he's good. Time I, out. So you're telling me he can't just leave? I don't think so. I think it's How a two-year possi- two commitment. It's part of the CFL yeah, rules. Yeah, but you can break contracts all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But I'm pretty sure that's it. If anybody wants to look that up, I, I'll look it up. Manziel will make uh, Canadian Football League must-watch TV now. He's fit for it. He's made for Canadian football. In what way? It's a wide-out open field. It's It's a wider field. It's a wider field. It's going to be the longer end zones. It's more of a passing league. doesn't that benefit every quarterback? Well, it does, but I'm just saying he kind of benefits more from the wide-open football game anyways. That's what we saw him succeed with in college football. And that's the one thing if you go, oh, what are they lacking up in Canadian football Speed. Especially big guys with speed. You so know, he's going to be able to run Cam away. Wake is our one guy. We always talk about, oh, Cam Wake came for the Canadian football. Oh, one. Oh, we're talking about one pass rusher. And I know there's more than one. That's like one. what I say about fifth-round draft picks. You yeah. could find one in the fifth round. Yeah, yeah right. we got seven. Yeah, right. I know. It's it's an overstated line. Yeah. So, yeah, are there guys from Canadian Football League that play defensive lines? A few, but it's a very short list. And Cam Wake's really That's the only so funny. big time. So Here now, I was thinking right. all these stories about Johnny Manziel's going to have to prove that he can handle it was going to be about meeting rooms and practice schedules and actual better talent. No, the real reason is, can you stay in Canada for two years and not Fuck up. That's what it really That's is. That's the question. It's a litmus test. Can you go? Can you sh- do? Can you go two years and we don't hear you're late for a meeting or you were late for something because we found you on social media partying the night before? All those things are what the NFL wants to see for him. So yes, he's got to go up there too, and he can't just go up there and be like, 
oh, middle of the road Canadian Football League. No, he starter. needs to be incredible. He needs to be Doug he needs Flutie. To be Doug Flutie. Exactly right. If he's Doug Flutie, he gets a chance to come back in the NFL. Small guys can't even escape Doug Flutie comparison nope. when they go anywhere because no. it's going to be it. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. He's playing for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, so make sure to subscribe to their stream. June Jones. Uh, I'm curious. Is that who's there? June Jones is the coach, right? So and he's going to a super spread offense. He's running the run and shoot, which is going to be tough too. He's going to get destroyed. The run and shoot's tough. It's going to be open. You have a lot of hits. It does because it's about the quarterback and the receivers. Always, the, the routes can change on a play-by-play basis according to the Based coverage. On the coverage. It's so it's a lot of that reading and in, on and, the go. And in an age of disguising coverages, yes, it's, you have mistakes. I'm just curious how often he's going to be hanging out with Drake up in Canada. I know. Where exactly is Hamilton? Man, you asked the wrong guy. Don't look it up. Okay, fine. I mean, look it up. Okay. Someone back there, look at him. But um, do you think he lasts the two years? Does Johnny Manziel have success in the in the CFL, both as a disciplined human and as an athletic quarterback to get into the NFL? Will he get into the NFL after this, Chris Sims? Hmm. I haven't even. Th- I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I don't. I don't believe it. I don't. Believe, I, I think that he could have some ta- like success up there. I, there's just something in me that thinks. It's going to be not a big enough stage for it to keep him, like, what do I want to say, interested. Mm. He's going to get bored with the amateurism of it to a degree. And the fact that it's not a main stage type of program. And he's going to, uh, that's what I think. I don't know. He's just got to prove it to me. I'm not saying it, it, it will happen. Yours is more on the human side. I'm just more anything. on the human side right now. Yeah, I, I got to I gotta yeah. see at least a year before I can go, oh, yeah, he'll come back. He's finally on the right road. No, right now I don't buy it all the way. I think that's my thing, too, is we've seen this so many times with him before where it's, this is it. This is going to do it. And he has a few good months, but then after that he gets a little bit bored, yes. just as any human would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking the distance between Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and Toronto, Ontario, Canada is 56 minutes. Okay. Yep. So, so he'll Drake be, will he'll be, be hanging out with Drake. Right. Look, and the true thing is, is I want Johnny Manziel to achieve whatever he wants to achieve. Mm-hmm. I'm just, now that I know that I have to wait two years, I'm not that invested. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. It's a long time. I don't yeah. have two years. No, I know. And, I, and again, I, I think it's actually a good thing for him because I don't think a year is going to do the trick to where like NFL head coaches can be like, oh, okay, he was good up in Canada for five months, so let's bring him back. Right. Uh, one guy that I think is judged just like Johnny Manziel, yeah. except he could be one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, right. is Odell Beckham. Oh, hello. They are friends. They hang out. Mm. They have supported each other. I didn't know that. You haven't seen I it? I don't feel like I did. I feel like Johnny Manziel was such a star yeah. that it was like LeBron, Drake, Odell. Like, I feel like they were all together. You know what I mean? Hanging like, out. Yep. Johnny Manziel, during that time, could have hung out with anybody. He was all like, over I LA. feel like he would have gotten that invite to the royal Bieber. wedding. Right. Yes. Right. You know, Von Miller. Like, he's friends with everybody. Yeah. Uh, but Odell Beckham mm-hmm. shows up to OTAs. I see that Jordan Renan, point at, uh, one of the reporters for the Giants, talked about why he was there. And he said something to this nature. The Giants wanted Beckham present this spring to show his dedication and see firsthand how he has progressed after breaking his ankle in October. They got what they wanted, said that they are nowhere closer to a new contract. You have openly said, Odell, don't practice. We saw some footage just in the green room a second ago. He's running. He's jumping. His legs look great. Yep. Um, 
Now does he keep practicing? Well, I, I got no problem with what I saw there. Practice like that. Do your drills. Do your individual drills. Foot speed. Right. Route running. Route running. Be, be around. Be in the meetings. It's great that he's there. But as soon as it's seven on seven. Right. I don't, don't do it. Don't jump up for a ball. Landon Collins might be underneath your legs by accident. He might have stumbled as he was going to break on the ball. Now he's underneath you and you, you hurt your ankle. You ball out your knee. Whatever it is. Don't effing do it. I believe that him showing up. Up yeah. means that we are closer to a contract than I think the media is reporting right I think now. so, too. I think that if Odell is showing up, mm-hmm. he is being told, show up, do this, yes. and we're going to get this done. I, I would think so, yes. And i, I got to think the Giants, they want Just this. for his sake. Yeah, for his sake, they want this to go away. He's really done everything proper. Other than the little hotel video, I mean, which didn't happen this year. So yes, exactly, didn't happen this year. But uh, either, other than that, I mean, what more can you say? He's been around there. He's been there for workouts. He's at meetings. Pat Shermer has commented that he has a good relationship, a very honest, open relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. already. So uh, I think all things are on the up and up. And I think that like guys like me and Gabe, who's moving this camera around right now, I mean, we're going to go over there with pitchforks and guns if they fucking trade Odell Beckham Jr., right? We're going, right? Pitchforks. Unless he goes to the Niners, then you're going to be well, kind of excited. We'll celebrate. <laughs> yeah, if this ends up not panning out, it's a problem. With the uh, if you guys want to, if you guys want to get into our guessing game, don't forget. Expect net. The game is OBJ contract. We have uh, 214 guesses right now. Uh, again, I've mentioned Ryan Gold before. He's the earliest guest. United Kingdom. He's the only one guessing it happens in May. He thinks that Odell gets a contract this Wednesday. Mm. Uh, the next guest is Andrew Victor on June. 4th. Uh, and his comment was, this competition was brought to you by Long Cox. Chris Long, <laughs> Fletcher Cox. Um, I just want to read some of these other captions here. Uh, whoa, big offseason. Uh, Ryan McLean guessed June 18th, and his comment was, I would take a bullet for Chris Sims. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. June 18th, that's my daughter's birthday, too. Uh, Chandler Frankenfeld, our friend Field from uh, Minnesota, says that Stefan Diggs is better than Odell. Chandler, you're, uh, we need to bring you to the psycho ward, uh, psycho ward, yes. and evaluate your brain. Sorry. And then uh, Tim like Tim Smitten from Wellington, New Zealand, says, "I will FaceTime from New Zealand to announce the Bears picked at the Sims and Lefko draft party. <laughs> Sims and Lefko draft party. It's a thing. I I'm having companies be like, do you have people to promote it? And I'm like, I work at Bleacher Report. <laughs> We're gonna make it happen. But if not, if you want to promote it too, we'll take your help." But, yeah, we have 214 guesses right now. He's our baby, Odell Beckham Jr. We want to make sure our baby gets paid. We have people loading up on the second week of June. Second Expect, week of June? That's when a lot of people... We haven't gotten your official... Well, whatever the third day of training camp is. I, we haven't seen How the have official date because I don't think they put out the official date yet, the New York Giants. Um, do you think that... So you do think we're a little bit Are closer for an Odell Are you going to the country? mall later on? <laughs> Dugout. Ruruto. D U R. Do you think he gets a contract? You think he gets a contract before the season? I do. I okay. Do. I th- and you yeah. think he's somewhat close? I got to think that there's at least some basic parameters being talked about between agent and, and ownership. Because to me, that's the good thing about dealing with the Giants, is I feel like if a member of the Mara family goes, now we're going to shake on this. And that word is bond. Like, I believe them. Yeah. Like, I feel like the Mara family would never, like, I don't know about the Colts. 
You know I what I mean? I don't know about the Jets. I think your read on the Mara family is 100% correct. Uh, Odell, it, we're going to do right by you. You do right by us. Yes. I feel like they honor They're the that. whole family. Men, women, grandmothers, whatever it may be. They're the most stand-up owners in football and people that I've been around. They really are. Uh, and, and I will even second that with Mr. Tish. Mr. Tish, I don't have as much of a history with, but man, it's hard to find. Mm. I know Big Phil Sims, the big fucker, loves Mr. Tish as well. Really? Yeah. I mean, he just thinks he's a stand-up human being. He has a lot of respect for him there. Um, and then there was one other thing I was going to say there, but I totally forgot. So Odell Beckham Jr. contract, Beckham respect, Jr. contract Giants. respect, Giants. Oh, did you see yes, one of I'm the Maras? really good at you remembering good. Did you see one of the Maras is, uh, on the podium for Justify on Saturday? Did you watch the preakness at all? I didn't. The mutter, the mutter was back. Your mutter was a mutter, but yeah. yeah, he won again. I look. I said this uh, before American but Mara. Farrell I guess won. is part of that. The worst thing that happened to horse racing was a horse won the triple crown. No, that's wrong. It I already mean, happened. Why don't I? Like, oh, okay. Then don't watch the finals. We've seen a we've seen an NBA team win the finals not before. The don't false do it equivalent. Again. The only story for the triple Golden crown is going to win. Well, yeah, I know. Okay, but I'm just saying for for horse racing, it was every every intro. Thirty nine years, no one has won since Secretariat. Could it happen this year? Now it's just horses. I don't care. Oh, so it happens twice in forty years, and it's just totally. Oh, this is this is bullcrap. It's rigged. It happens all the time now. I heard about Secretariat my entire life, okay, and but it you was talked about a horse that it. had a, a heart, the three and a half size a normal horse. He did. So it was sold to me right. that a horse had to be insanely special to win the Triple Crown, which is what American Pharaoh was, and is exactly what Justify is they're saying. So. Wait, you're just going to take the luster off because it happened two years ago? It also could be this. <laughs> I worked in the capital of horse racing yes. and the capital of college basketball, Louisville, Kentucky. Right. My love for both of those things have waned since I left. Yes. College basketball I look at now and I just go... I don't see it. I know all the scandals. I don't think the athletes are really that good. And there's like six guys I think are really going to be NBA players. I'm not that interested in. I get you. Horse racing, when you're there, like when you're there and you're at Churchill Downs and you're seeing the horses and you're seeing the festivities and you're seeing the money and the drinking and the hats and all that stuff, it's cool. Mm -hmm. But from afar, like... I think that I'm just a weird person now that when I'm in a room of people that I know have not been paying attention to horses and they line up and they're like, I think Justified's going to win. And then in two minutes later, they don't give a shit anymore. As a human, I just go, this is all a charade. Like we've just all been told the first Saturday in May to give a fuck about something that we don't care about for 364 days. And I want that sun Saturday. I was watching the Sixers game during the Derby when yeah. they lost to the Celtics. Right. And I wasn't Everyone was like, switch it over to the horse race. You don't know any of these things. They're horses. It's a tradition. And they're the best horses on the planet. And I, I do enjoy watching it. So screw you. Okay? I understand. You like tradition. <laughs> I'd like to burn it up and start new. I'm just glad he's alive still. I want to watch it. I actually might go to it. What I've never been alive? to a horse race. That he's alive for the Triple Okay, crown. let me give you one advice. Yes. If you're going to go to a horse race yes. and you've never been to a big one, no. don't make the Belmont your first. It's the it's most disappointing. So the Pimlico, and we're going into another topic, Pimlico, I've been to all three, yeah. and Belmont right. are horse races, and the Kentucky Derby is an event. Pimlico is in Baltimore. Yeah. It's a mud pit. The The infield's disgusting. The stands, there's no reason to be there. This is just me, and I'm, I'm a Watch how you. you talk about Baltimore, man. Belmont, 
Don't you dare talk about it like that with worst, Belmont. Worst travel experience I've ever had going to Belmont. It's just, you go to Belmont and there's people wearing tuxedo t-shirts. You go to the Derby, there's people wearing tuxedos. Okay. That's the difference. I get you. I know. It doesn't seem the same. I guess it's not as prestigious. I still want to go Debbie Downer. Jeez, over here. Negative Nancy. I'm sorry. Holy crap. I honestly didn't know. Don't go and watch the Triple Crown. How (laughs) dare you go watch one of the greatest. It's stupid. They don't wear real shirts or tuxedos. They wear t-shirt tuxedos. Dude, I went to the I Belmont, know. having gone to the Derby the year before, but went, and I'm wearing like a, but, a seersucker suit, and I look at these guys, and they're wearing like t-shirts, and I'm like, this guy's up for the Triple Crown. Oh, man. Yeah. I, don't, I guess I am a little negative. <laughs> Shit. Sorry about that. Well, if you want to go, have a good time, I guess. I know. I, I, I do. But my little girl's asking, so that's why it really started. Oh, well, she, so if you're going to. If take, I can do it right, is it worth going? Like where I got the right connections and I'm like Johnny. I, if you can get on the back. Pass for your daughter who loves horses. Yeah. If you can get on the backside right. and you can be with the horses, yeah. then you go. Okay. Right. It's just the regular like stand. Yes. You're going to look around and be like, it's three hours to get on NJ Transit, yeah. Metro North. And you got to stand next to Joey Buttafuoco and then buy tickets. Yeah, a bunch and, of your father-in-laws. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron Donald's not going to be in OTAs, too. It's pretty unbelievable that the Detroit Lions took Eric Ebron and the next two picks were Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> it's amazing. And then like Taylor Lewan's right there, too, and Aaron Donald. Like, damn it, Detroit. Uh, that, that Miami game screwed all of us. Uh, Aaron Donald guaranteed to get a new contract. He shouldn't show up at all. I mean, please don't. Yeah. Gosh. I, yes. I mean, I don't know what else to say. They've been talking like about, Aaron, we're going to take care of him I know, for like two years. But we haven't heard anything even close to numbers yet or no. anything. He's another guy I don't worry about, like Odell, like a Tom Brady. He's going to be ready. He takes great pride in his body and all of that. He's I mean, also at an age where even if he didn't take right, great pride in his body, he's still going to be the best built guy in the NFL. Yes, he is. He's a freak of nature. But uh, at some point, has to be paid big time money. I, I mean, he, And of course, them bringing in Dominican Sue. Was he making $14 million this year? So uh, that's got to add a little bit of you know fuel to the fire, just that he wants to be paid those type of numbers, and he will be. They, they got to work it out. He's a generational type player. I mean, he's on pace right now to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's the type of player. Aaron Do Donald you think is. his contract will be compared to just defensive tackles or defensive linemen as a whole? Ooh, I think it, it probably needs to be defensive linemen as a whole. Why? Uh, because I think he classifies more of a different role than your typical defensive tackle uh, because of his ability to actually be a legit every down pass rusher right. from that position. And then as we talk about fuck it up stats, I mean, he's he's one of the world leaders in that. And just getting in the backfield and blowing making the play things up. happen. Right. So right now yeah. he is currently making this year a base salary of uh, just under seven million dollars. When you look at all of the guys that are top in terms of, excuse me, defensive line base salary, right? Zekiel Ansa and Demarcus Lawrence are both making seventeen the because franchise. they're getting franchise tax. Right. And and Sue's getting sixteen point nine. Then it goes to Calais Campbell at fifteen, and then Khalil Mack at thirteen point eight. Damn. So he's gonna get he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna ask for eighteen million a year. Damn. That's roughly that's probably what he should be paid. I mean, come on. If you're going to sit here and tell me Ezekiel Alonso and Demarcus Lawrence, who are very good football players, 
they are not in the same class as Aaron Donald right now. I mean, Olivier Vernon's making 12.7. Malik Jackson's making 13.5. Right. Calais Campbell, as amazing as he is, he's not Aaron Donald. I think Malik Jackson's a good guy to talk about in this thing. Yeah. Because I go, Malik Jackson's 13.5. Yeah. Aaron Donald's worth 17.5. Yes, right. And Malik 18. Jackson's like Aaron Donald from a few years ago almost, and not even as good. But not you're as exactly good. right. This is now four years later. The yeah. market has changed. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to have to pay him, I think, in that 17, 18 range. I thought about this. Yeah. We talked all week about how gambling is going to bring so much more money to mm-hmm. the NFL. Mm hmm. How much of that money are the players going to save? I don't see? know. That's going to be the the big question. Because while we hear about these NFL teams being like, i got to save my money, but if there's an influx of hundreds of millions of dollars, that CBA that's coming up, better take that into account. Yeah. And I want the value of the franchise taken into account. I'm sick of all of it. I'm sick of it. You're like, right. You, like, because the they're Carolina talking about they're got sold double. for $2.2 and, and now they're, they're saying go it's going to go up because the salary cap should skyrocket. So it has to go too because there's the appreciation of the franchise. You're right. So I, that's that's going to be one of the big talking points for sure. Is just of course with gambling, all the extra advertising that's going to come in with it. I, I got to imagine that's going to be right on the top of the list for the NFL. For PA. me too, the argument as an owner would be the, the the name of the organization, the logo means so much more than individual players. Really, then why does the cost or the value of a franchise rise when you win a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Right? Because the guys went out there and won it. Yes. And you're not taking care of them. No. But I, that was something I thought about: is if the if all this money comes in from gambling, that salary cap better skyrocket. Big time. I, I, I got to imagine it will. And it just, it's, uh, you know, it's all I've already here. told you guys 2021. What? I, I said this now for a year 2020, 2021. Right. Be ready for a holdout. So get yeah, your Super yeah. Bowls in now. Mm-hmm. Eagles got one. You guys, Giants, already got one. Because if you don't win it by 2020, the NFL is hitting the reset button. That's my prediction. I think this CBA, this this difference, I've never heard of players and owners openly discuss fill in the barracks, yeah. getting ready for a really bloody battle. And now there are so many things to argue about, mm-hmm. whether it's the freedom of speech or the money and, and, and salary cap and now gambling. Like there's so many things to argue about. And Damaris Smith has been there the entire time. Right. So it really will be interesting. It, it is. I do think the players are as educated now as they've ever had. Ever. Been. So you're going to have players that are truly informed. And what's really hurt the NFL players in the in, in prior years, anytime there's been a strike, even going back to when I was seven years old with my dad, it's the younger guys yes. or the guys that are just about to, oh, I'm a veteran that's going to get paid. They're the ones that buckle. And that's the reason the NFLPA is not even nearly in the same stratosphere as like the MLBPA mm. uh, because just not everybody's making money on an NFL roster. You know it's a short career to be able to bang your body around like yeah. that and got and players buckle they always end up walking the line it's it's hard for a guy like Matt Ryan where maybe the 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 fifth round running back goes dude I'm only got two hundred thousand dollars and now you're telling me that I can't work for right. two years yes. and then I'm a running back like my window of being good is completely closed or the worst ones are the guys that are like 28 29 who haven't gotten that big contract yet that's the thing is the owners can wait them out they can until they start missing game checks yes cuz then that's running the only a franchise stop it yep. it's just getting you guys ready for it now cuz it's going to be crazy and you know who to come to the players podcast whoa whoa big off season big off season the big off season for Danny Shelton whoa 
My body's adjusting to all the running, man, Shelton Mm. said. It's pretty crazy, but I like it. So Danny Shelton's not used to running that much because I guess in Cleveland you didn't run. But now he comes to New England, and you know he runs a lot. The one thing he hasn't run, Sims, the hill. Oh, the hill. I'm just getting my mind ready for it. We haven't gotten to that part. It's deceiving. It doesn't look tough. But just hearing from some of the guys, it's not something you want to mess with. That was something you saw a lot, guys underestimating the hill. We talked about it before. The Patriots run the hill after every practice. Yep. Martellus Bennett said, man, we were doing it the week before the Super Bowl. The hill was not being constructed, I believe, the year I was there. So it wasn't there oh, yet. Oh, this is a recent thing. I think so. I think it was being put in right that year. So he stole this from Jerry Rice. So whoever it was, he stole yeah. it. But, I mean, hill training is a great thing for football players. I mean, again, it's about the ability to explode, be powerful, what's going to build your legs and Bought yeah. up more than running up a hill. So sprinting. here's my question. Yes. They, they tra- run more than anybody. The Browns traded Danny Shelton mm-hmm. because he didn't fit their scheme. Yes. And apparently he really wasn't running enough. Mm. Is there a chance that maybe they could have just put him on a different exercise program and he would have fit their scheme? Well, yeah, or have something in his contract about weight, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, New England's going to be all over that stuff. There are, I guarantee, and he's already talked about shedding a little weight, I thought, a few weeks ago. But It's just crazy to me that an NFL player goes to a different team and goes, they're actually making me run. And I'm going... The Browns didn't make you run? Probably not like New what? England. This is everybody is shocked by New England with this. I mean, this is a culture shock, and this is another one of the things where we it's you just and I really go sad to me. right where you go. Why isn't everybody copying New England? What are we doing? How many times do we have to see them in the fourth quarter? They're still fresh, and your yeah. team's tired, and they win. Just oh, replay the Super Bowl against oh, Atlanta. You know why? Because they have a coach that goes get on the line after practice. Oh, he's such a mean guy. What a dictator he is. He makes them run after practice. Yes, the, the 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 problem with the NFL is everybody. The season starts. You're in great shape. Everything's great because you've had training camp. All of that, and then the coaches become, oh, I just want to save their bodies. I don't want to beat them up. Right. Yeah, that's okay. But to save the body, you have to build it at times, and that's where I think people miss out. And that's where I think a lot of the good head coaches mm. and organizations realize that. And that's why you see teams like Pittsburgh and New England that have men that you just go, damn, he looks gigantic because they're on them all the time and it never ends. And they're running when I played for Josh McDaniels or in New England during practice, after practice, whatever it may be, is a huge reason for their success and their mental toughness. Yeah, so that was, whoa, big offseason players are running. Whoa, uh, uphills. Th- this, whoa, big offseason is coaching motivation tactics. I love when a new coach comes in the NFL and everyone gravitates. We've seen shovels in the locker room. Always dig men. Uh, Remember uh, Dan Quinn he was out there and he brought like the military in and they're oh, carrying yeah. logs. Like, right. We carry logs right. together. It's always like it's that. It's always something. Pound the rock we had in Tampa. Yes. There's always little things. Pound the that rock. Right. I can't do John Green right now. But Steve Wilkes, new coach for the Cardinals, apparently he's put a hurdle in the middle of the locker room, baby, to represent the hurdles in the season ahead. This guy's taking it literally, folks. He's taking it literally. But I love when a coach comes in, they put something in the middle of the locker yeah. room, and that's what we're standing for, guys. Uh, the, hurdle the hurdle in the middle of the locker room. The obstacles of the season. Don't forget, man. There's going to be some hurdles. I would have. It's, it's, it's coaches. 
They're, they, this is the way they are. They can be corny as hell. There's no other way to put it. But yes, little things like that go a long way. I, I would have rather seen them like put the hurdle like on the lunch line, so it really gets people like oh, they got to go up a hurdle and under a hurdle. I'll have some uh, chick uh, tater tots and some French fries. Go under a hurdle. You know that would have been funny. But I, I get it. I yeah, mean, I, I just think it's coaches anything. Are funny. It's anything. T-shirts themes of the year, whatever it may be, just to kind of unite the football team. Whoa! Whoa! Big offseason. Russell Wilson can't sleep. Tweeted out this morning, woke up hungry. Hashtag no time to sleep. <laughs> He's so funny. He is the best. He's, He's the best. so corny, bro. It's so corny. I think he's, he, we, like, Tim Robbins should call him up. He should be on, like, one of those Tim Robbins motivational shows. Like, I think they're, like, the same guy. You nailed it on that Russell Wilson QB to QB thing. Like, I enjoyed it because it was, like, it was, like, philosophy and all that stuff. But he's just a cornball. But he... That's genuinely it's who genuinely he is. Who he is, and it's what makes him amazing. Like we talk right. about crazy it's a special players, skill. it's a special skill that he can be like that. He's waking up, and I think he truly he's reverse Pac-Man Jones. Like, what do you mean by like, that? Pac-Man is someone that's like, man, I don't need to be like that. I'm gonna figure it out. Right. Like, I'll figure it out. Like he's right. never gonna be right there. Or like I just interviewed Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman's like, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's like, I must always be in the zone because if you're in the zone, you're ready to play. Yes. Like he's never out of the zone. Never. There's no off season for Russell Wilson. He is. He is in hashtag no time to sleep. He is in franchise quarterback mode all day long. But that's what makes him great, and that's. Why why he's the man, and he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks in football, and he handles himself like a professional, and there's no off-field issues. So why are we so okay when coaches like Steve Wilkes do corny shit like a hurdle in the middle, and we're like, that's a coach. But when a player is like, I don't have time to sleep, hurdles in life, I'm going to conquer them all. We call them corny. I know. I mean, Wilkes, Is it because we want them to be? I think we want them to be cooler, Joe right? Namath? We want them to be, right, exactly right. I just think it's like, man, we... We love you so much on the field, but your speeches are kind of corny. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. What is it? It's just, I guess, we expect our players that we idolize on the field, we want them to be everything we thought they would be off the field. Mm. It's know. funny because, and it's the reverse, too. We get more upset when coaches, like when we see Rex Ryan get into a fight, or we see uh, the offensive coordinator that's now at the Browns that was with the Steelers, Todd, Todd Haley. Haley yeah. He's he's like drinking and right. getting his stuff. And we're like, that is very unprofessional. But when we see Gronk out drinking or whatever, we're like, he's enjoying being a football player. So we don't like when coaches get after it, and we like when players get after it, but we don't like when players are corny, but we're okay when coaches. Coaches are corny. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think it's it's also it's like a teacher and a student. And you probably grew up, or you just grew up with most of the good players on your sports team growing up were cool kids. Yeah, and you probably came across more corny. It's coaches okay when the teacher gives homework. It's not okay when Josh Fendrick's in the front of the class being like, "Excuse me, excuse me, you forgot, forgot to, to give, give the, the homework, homework today. Uh, did you collect did it yesterday? Anything? Did you get my apple on your desk? Good evening. Everyone. I know that the assignment's due in four weeks, but I figured I'd turn it in today. No need for extra credit. I'm just here for organization and calendar skills. Uh, yes. Right. That's like that's Russell Wilson shit. But that's why he is. That's why Josh is climbing the ladder of Bleacher Report. <laughs> Russell Wilson is the Josh Fendrick of NFL exactly. quarterbacks. Uh, I got one more. Whoa, big offseason before we get to Julio Jones. Um, 
the Cowboys offensive line coach, I believe somebody found a book in which he wrote about drafting players and one thing he looks for. And the name of the coach is Paul Alexander. And the big thing for him was catch-up. Yep. He talked about how the 57 on a Heinz bottle is placed at the precise spot where if one taps gently on the tip bottle, the catch-up flows freely from the bottle. Even the new plastic squeeze bottles have that perfect 57. The person who figured that out was a genius. This is all stuff that Mr. Paul Alexander wrote. He then continued, When I see a large football player turn a bottle of ketchup upside down and pound at its heel with tremendous force yet limited success, I immediately make the mental note, he must either play defensive line or if he plays offensive line, he can't play for me. I'm an offensive line coach. I coach the big, fat guys, and I love them. O-linemen need to be the smartest, most cohesive group on the football field. With all those gaps, there's 437, 514 possible defensive alignments that the offensive line must deal with. I need them to be able to solve simple solutions. What do you think, man? I think this shit is hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. My first thought was, I love it. And then my second thought was, that's how you figure out offensive linemen? Yeah, I know. You're gonna you're gonna deduce it down to a random moment where someone's hitting the, the, the catch up. Now I'm not gonna lie. I'm a fifty seven tapper. Yeah. Or I'm a rigorous shaker. But that's ridiculous. There's so many things that we've seen that are like this. The, football is the most. The most. There's more judging books by its cover in football than any other sport. I get his overall point. I know what he's trying to say. And we've said it here before, too, right? I mean, offense alignment, are, they're cows. They're grazing in the field. Defense alignment are bulls in a china shop. Yes. They're ready to go. What? You want me to go there? No, how about I just go here and, and screw everything up? And that'll work. Okay, fine, do that. Oh, yeah, but he does it. He's a good defensive tackle. Look at him. He screws everything up. Offensive alignment, everything he said about being cohesive, being the smartest, being able to solve problems on the go, yeah. being quick on your feet, all of those things incredibly important. Um, I mean, there's course cases where, I mean, somebody's got to tell you at some point that that's what the 57 is for. Somebody told me that when I was little. Did you just figure that on your own? You're like, My- oh, I'm going to hit the 57. <laughs> I think this is where they placed it because this gets the catch-up out right. I'm that smart. Somebody's got to tell you something like that. My first. thought is this. Why is he eating ketchup with this many prospects? Is he, A, at the combine, like like they're in the hotel room, they get 15 minutes, he goes, hey, here's a burger, put some ketchup on it. I'm like staring at it. Like, is he taking these guys in the lunch line and being like, oh, burger? You want some ketchup? Like, what if the kid's like, I'm more of a mustard guy. I don't like ketchup. Is he like, shit, I don't know if this guy's going to be good or not. I don't have any ketchup. I wasn't ready for the the mustard curveball. Right? Like, is he just constantly putting ketchup in front of prospects? No, no, it's just one thing he uses. It's another tool. This is the way coaches are. This is they, they will judge books by its cover, and if they have a preconceived notion of you, they will judge off that notion, whatever it may be, yeah. to make it fit what they want. Like I told you, like Gruden saw me swing a golf club, like I was chipping a, a like a, a ball, like short game, like at a pitching wedge, and I was 23 years old, and I didn't give a crap about golf. I just knew how to hit it hard, and I went out there to have a few beers and yeah. have some fun. That's all I cared about. 
He was like trying to judge me. What do you little, mean? Like my athletic prowess. And I want to be like, you know, I was a Division One basketball player and also could have been a professional baseball pitcher. So does that that didn't count, though? Did, did, how about— Wait, want, so what was he saying to you? But, so you like, chipped it. You obviously didn't chip it well. No, no, I didn't. I, like, I think I missed the ball the first time. Like I went underneath the— you know, like And what kind of Gruden comment did you get? Oh, I mean, oh, what kind of hand-eye is that? Oh, and I wanted to be like, I don't know, the same hand-eye that crossed over all your DBs and shot threes in their face yesterday. That's, that's the hand-eye. Shut the fuck up. You're not an athlete. Don't try to judge me on your stupid prowess. Did you really? That's te- what coaches did you, do. Did you get that heated enough? I did. I did say something about basketball. Like, oh, you're going to judge that? I mean, how about that? And what did he say? He just, he, he liked it. He was like, oh, I like that fire. Yeah, yeah. It makes up for your lack of athleticism. <laughs> your lack of short game. But that's just the way coaches are. We see this all the time. Right. We saw this with Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. Oh, the volleyball coach heard that he's a little bit weird, so I'm not going to take him. Right. Uh, Alex Smith was taken over Aaron Rodgers because Alex Smith held the door open held for his door. mom. He's not He's not as cocky. Maybe he'll listen to us more. That yes. was the final determination, and you getting Alex Smith and missing out on the greatest quarterback to ever play was holding the door. Yes. Screwed up all your jobs out there in San Francisco. There's all these stories. Uh, my personal favorite, Buddy Ryan, when he was the D.C. for the Bears, uh, the way he was raised to decide whether or not he thought a player had enough toughness, yeah. he would watch them brush their teeth. This is from the Rich Cohen book. And the reason he'd watch them brush their teeth, that if they started brushing and left the water running, he knew they came from a wealthy household and that they weren't really tough. But he knew that if they shut that water off because they're trying to save the water from the well, then they grew up in a tougher household and they're his kind of guy. That's what Buddy Ryan did. Is the water running when you're brushing your teeth? That's the kind of crap it's they piece together. It's these weird, abstract stories yeah. that these coaches take to define whether or not a guy is going to be good. Mm. I wonder if he would have still drafted Reggie if Reggie left the water running. Mm. I wonder if that would have done it. Mm. So I don't know what segment to call that, but I feel like that's something that we can own whenever we hear around the draft these randoms. Perfect example this year. Mm. Hugh Jackson went in. This one's a little bit more, but Hugh Jackson went in and he saw Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield went to the team and went, hey! And the whole team went, hey! And Hugh Jackson was like, I mean, he's a leader. That's it. That's it. It took one moment to go, hey, because because he wanted to like him too. So there it goes. But catch up and toothbrushing, that's like even more. But there's a lot of these. I don't know if we want to call it like book covers or something like that because judging a book by its cover. Something like that. It's a thing in the NFL more than any Any other other sport. sport. It's it's the truly, yeah, it's you're, without sounding disrespectful, you're more of a piece of meat. In football than any of the other sports. I mean, come on, nobody. The other sports they don't make the baseball players get up there in their jock straps and go. Let me look at his body, and we're going to take pictures yeah. in HD, and then we're going to take this back to our office and put it on our iPads and put it on our digital system, and we're all going to sit around the screen and watch highlight videos, and then we're going to watch that picture of him naked in front of everybody and evaluate. But nothing doesn't go on in any other sport. No sport. No. Nothing. Along with like psychological testing and everything else. It's uh, it's insane, and that's why. But it's also why football is amazing, and it's the number one sport in our country. Yes, it is. Um, all right, Julio Jones down by the schoolyard, skipping OTAs. Yo, and it sounds like it's about contract. It is. What do you know? I know. So I had a I had a friend 
kind of lead me down this road uh, during the week, basically going, you know, just basically saying, like, I think the whole Julio thing, you know, it's not about other receivers. It's about Matt Ryan. And I was like, whoa, you know what? I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I made a few phone calls. There's other people I know. And that's the sense I get, that this is Julio Jones more in the fact of there's no way Matt Ryan's worth two times more than me. Right, Julio Jones is what going to make fourteen million this year. I'm yeah, going to pull 14. it up. Fourteen point two five. So you're telling me that Matt Ryan's worth more than two of him, mm. and I think that's where it goes. And I think that that's exactly what the situation is, and it should be the situation. And he should ask for more money. Yeah. Well, remember we talked we talked about yeah. this in terms of who did you think of first, and people were like, "Oh, I thought of Julio Jones getting Matt Ryan all that money," and now he's sitting there with a contract that. Really, if he got cut, it's really not costing the team any money. I don't think they're going to cut Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were looking at the salary and going, well, he's making less than Jarvis Landry and T.Y. Hilton and Sammy Watkins and Devontae Adams. He's making money than them. But you're also saying it's more Matt Ryan's the one triggering I think all those names probably bothered him. But, yeah, I think the end of the day, he's going – who made who? Did Matt Ryan make Julio or did Julio make Matt Ryan? And also, to your point, I didn't think about this either. When you get a $100 million contract, you're really being called the face of the team. Exactly right. And they went out there with Arthur Blank and everyone said, Matt Ryan is the Atlanta Falcons. Right. And really, I would argue that Julio Jones is the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones has been the best player on that team for all seven years that he's been there. Not Matt Ryan. When teams, like, we always go back to this, right? When teams break down the Atlanta Falcons, the first thing they're going to do is go, what's our plan for Julio? What are we going to do? How are we going to cover him in all these different places? How are we going to make sure we don't get anybody stuck on him one-on-one too many times? How are we going to orchestrate all our coverages to where we're a little protected by this guy? And then they do that, and then he still goes out for 170 on them. So, so, so Matt Ryan's playing 10 on 9 because two of the guys are on Julio Jones. It's a great advantage. And again, we're not here to take away from Matt Ryan. We understand the quarterback position is extremely important, all of that. But I understand Julio Jones feeling that way. Like, what? Are you kidding me? And added to that, okay? Let's forget about the Matt Ryan situation and, like, the the the, the stuff I, I heard there. But he deserves a new contract. So what do you say to the people that say that Julio Jones has three years left on his contract and he should play it out? I, I say, fuck you. That's what I say. Because I say, you know, he signed that a few years back. And he was being paid like he was one of the top receivers in football. And here we are four years later. And you know what? He's still one of the top receivers of football, and he wants to be paid like it. How dare he? If if how about if you're a top receive, a top paid receiver, and you're not living up to that? Do you get cut? Oh, that's right, Des Bryant. Why didn't the Cowboys live up to their end of the deal? I don't get it. Somebody tell me why the Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are such mean people, and they didn't live up to their end of the contract. Why? Tell me why. Julio's better than all these guys. He's definitely it's we like right left coat. We're, we're agreeing that Odell Beckham Jr., Julio, and Antonio Brown are the three best receivers in football, right? Yes. And so then you he, have like Hopkins and AJ right, Green, just but on the fringe. Th- but those three, I think, are everybody would go. It's one of those three is the number one guy. Yes. And everybody else is really good. And yes, to that point, here we are in 2018. And I, oh, I'm sorry, Atlanta, your franchise receiver still awesome, and you got to pay him. Oh, boo hoo. Yeah, they need to pay him. Sorry, they're gonna have to pony up and 
and pay him Antonio Brown type money. His his base salary for the next three years is ten and a half, twelve and a half, and eleven point four. Yeah. That is so far below what he was making. And it's it's weird. We get angry at players for going, I've exceeded my contract. Yet every one of these fans at their jobs, if their contract was was really below and they had extra things put on and they were a huge part of the company, would go, We I need a new contract. I'm not being paid up to the level of my performance. But yet with NFL players, we go, sign the deal. It's the weirdest sign the deal. It's the weirdest thing ever. I don't even understand. Because how I, much leverage do you think Julio has? I think he's got a lot. I do. I think he's one of those guys that they might be, oh, we're okay right now, but when the season started, they're going to go, damn. I forgot how much he impacted the defenses. He, the, he's he's the key to the running game. He's the key to the, all the other receivers getting open. And, he's, of course, he's a fail-safe for Matt Ryan, too. Oh, crap, everybody's covered. Let me throw a ball 10 feet in the air, mm. 5 feet out of bounds in the Super Bowl. Mm. Oh, he'll still jump over Malcolm Butler and toe-tap and get it down. Uh, it was Eric Rowe. Is was, there? Right. Yeah, I know right. him. Uh, is there a chance that the drafting of Calvin Ridley added to this? I don't think so. I don't think that would affect him. I mean, he knows he's a man, and that that money is, is that not going to protect gonna get... the Falcons. It does protect the Falcons to a degree. That was, that was one thing I thought. Well, okay, yeah, they got Calvin Ridley. Okay, sure, still a rookie. He's still a rookie, and he's not Julio. I mean, Julio is again. He's once, once in, in a, a generation. Yeah, I mean, who's 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 better in their prime, Julio or Calvin Johnson? <sighs> right? Who's better? Who would you take? Because that's what I thought of too. So Calvin had better straight-ahead speed. Yeah, probably. But it is I think much. Julio was much better at taking short passes right. far. Yak, he definitely has the advantage in yak. Much harder to tackle. Yeah. I uh, thought he was more of a gamer, even though Calvin had incredible moments. It's close. It's very close. I think I would take Julio. I would my... take Julio over Antonio Brown, but that's just me. I would, too. I know a lot of people would take Antonio Brown. I would take Julio. I yeah. think he's a bigger mismatch. Exactly. Julio is one of those... Corners will tell you that Julio's harder to guard. Yes. When you see Julio Jones in person, and not anything disrespectful to Antonio Brown, but if you saw Julio in person and next to Antonio, you'd go, oh my gosh. Julio's one of those like guys that walks in a room and you go, oh, I get it. I understand why he's so I think amazing. the thing is, too, is like Julio has played hurt so many times mm-hmm. and has played through injuries for that team. And for me, I'm realizing not only is it money, I just also think it was the fact that they went up on stage and said, Matt is the Atlanta Falcons. And Julio Jones sat there and went, I am the Atlanta Falcons. And I made Matt Ryan because when I'm not there, the guy is average. And I, We come off as Matt Ryan haters, and people hate that I use the word average. Matt Ryan, I think, for the history of his time in the NFL, has consistently been between the 8th best quarterback in the NFL to the 15th best quarterback in the NFL, and then the year with Kyle Shanahan was top three. Right. But I think the rest of his career has been 8 to 15. I would agree. Which is a very good career. It's amazing. Again, but I don't think it's a Hall of Fame no. career. I don't think it's $100 million in the NFL with current salary caps and how much the quarterback position warrants. I get it. Yes, right. But I think Julio Jones is sitting there going, Julio Jones, I made every him. year of his career, we go, you're definitely one of the three best receivers in football. Easily. Matt Ryan, you're right. It's really only been one year. The year, year he won the MVP, which I would still argue that Brady or Rodgers deserved to win 
the MVP that year. I, I believe Romo. Kyle Shanahan, yeah, gets more of the should get some of that credit for what happened that year. So uh, I, I'm with you. And again, it does. It sounds like we're Matt Ryan haters. No, um, it's the problem, and this is not Matt Ryan's fault. The mm-hmm. problem is, is he has a special talent in Julio outside, mm-hmm. and he had Matt Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, yeah. and all of the praise went to Matt Ryan. Yeah. So in that year, we spent the year going, guys, he has a weapon at wide receiver that's warranting a double team at every time, and an offensive coordinator that's making everybody wide open. So we were just saying we didn't, he didn't deserve all the praise, but now Matt Ryan is the only one that's been financially supported because of that. And Julio's sitting there going, I got an average... I have Matt Ryan getting $100 million, and I have Steve Sarkeesian as my offensive coordinator, and you want me to honor my contract. I've got nothing. Well, yeah, exactly. Nothing. At the the base premises, he's just got to look at it and go 30-14. 30-14. 30-14. Base salary. Like we've talked about, right? Like It's just like, are you you kidding me? Like It's like we used to talk about, like, is Brock Osweiler really worth three Cam Chancellors? Mm. Remember how we used to say that? Because Brock was getting $18 million and Cam Chancellor was getting six. I mean, it's the same thing. Are you telling me Matt Ryan's worth two, two... Two and a quarter Julio Jones? I do do think this, though. All the people that say that we're Matt Ryan haters, Mm -hmm. if you ask them who's your guy on the Falcons, they're taking Julio Jones. I don't, I I, right I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, I think you're I'm right. on Team Julio the whole time, and I know that this is getting to a point. But look, this is what happens to a lot of NFL teams, mm-hmm. to the Seahawks. Eventually, people want to get paid for being selfless. Yes. And I'm not saying Julio's been selfish. He did get a big contract, but he's far outperformed it. Yeah. Let's get to a serious topic. Uh, let's do something that happened. Look, Reuben Foster, we said we want to wait. And there's a reason we said we wanted to wait. Mm-hmm. Reuben Foster's ex-girlfriend comes out and admits to lying. So all of these stories, apparently about the abuse and all of that, have been fabricated. She took the stand last Thursday and recanted allegations that he punt- punched her in the head multiple times, saying she made up the entire story after he broke up with her. Mm-hmm. You said that this has happened to other players in your past. Yep. I said, let's wait yep. because I don't want to say I'm that. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know. Right. I know. Um, in, a, in the courtroom, she testified that she got into a fight with two women before going to sleep at Foster's home. Foster dumped her in the morning after that fighting, and she tearfully recounted this on the stand. Apparently, she told Reuben Foster, quote, I'm going to fuck your, I'm going to F your ass up. You're not going to have a job no more. She also said she stole Foster's money and put his jewelry in safety deposit boxes in Louisiana, where she's from. She also testified that she stole two Rolexes and eight thousand dollars from Ruben. At one point, she said it was more than eight thousand. How did she steal the money? "Quote: I stole his routing and account numbers when he went to jail." So, one, this person is awful. She's she's flawed, which is common with what I've been told. Okay. Yep. Uh, two. Um, in your mind, are you completely okay with Reuben Foster now? No, not completely. No, no, not, not, not at all. I mean, I still think to... There's a sense of relief for me as it's the relief player's that podcast. It's, I, I get that, that, that nothing horrible has happened, all that. I'm, I'm in Reuben Foster's camp as far as, yes, okay, now let's try to clear your name further. But I still think it speaks to the immaturities a little bit of him. And he's still not off the hook yet, too, because he's, they found a semi-automatic weapon in his house, right? right. So he still has to go through that. Right. Um, so, but yes, it makes me feel better just from a human 
standpoint to go, okay, good. This guy that I wanted to like as a football player is not a woman beater or does not mistreat women. Yes. Uh, and I know they're not done yet, but still, at least it looks better from that standpoint. And the Niners have to be relieved. I would think because so. Because a lot of people came out at John Lynch and said, why aren't you doing actions now? Right. My thing is always patience, mm-hmm. because that's the reason we have a court system. Unless the team has that evidence that it's like sitting in their facility and they go, we know what hasn't gone to court yet. Yes. But I don't think they knew. No. And I bet you Ruben was coming to them and going, you guys need to trust me. And I'm, I'm happy from the NFL player perspective this happened, but that's a scary situation. Scary situation. You got somebody stealing your account numbers, yep. taking your things and putting it in there, openly saying, I'm going to end your career. That's how easy it is. I mean, come on. That's as easy as it is. You're, you're, at, you're at the will of the world sometimes when you're a professional athlete. Because you, you're vilified. You can be vilified. You can be framed in any which way. I, I have truly witnessed teammates getting punched to death by their not girlfriend to not to death but like literally girlfriends unloading on them somebody in the neighborhood calling the cops because there's a disturbance yeah the cops coming the girl then cr- i witnessed this the girl crying now and because they taken the football player. and they arrested the football player when he did nothing i mean other than cover his head so he didn't get welts all over there, the place there's a number of reasons so, why this i know happens. that's i know that's i'm, I'm not, again not being insensitive i'm just saying i've seen it both ways it's the psycho psychology of a football player mm-hmm. a boxer can't get into a fight on the street because his hands are weapons right a football player, we naturally watch them. We watch you guys destroy other humans for our entertainment. Yeah. And so the, the popular notion is, are they going to be able to control themselves off the field? Yeah. So you're um, everywhere you go, you're seen as a walking weapon. Yeah. People look at a football player and go... Man, can you imagine if he like really got angry at us right now? Like people think about that stuff. I've told by Sean Rogers story right before. I don't know. Sean Defensive Rogers, lineman for the Detroit Lions. Right, went to school with me in the Texas. Browns. Huge man. Huge man. One of the biggest guys I've ever played with. Maybe more. Right. And his nickname was Big Baby. I mean, he was oh, yeah. I mean, like soft as baby shit. I mean, that's I mean, he just <laughs> was a nice guy. Like yes. he, he wouldn't hurt anybody unless the, you blew the whistle and put yeah. pads on. We're at a club one night at Texas. Guy gets in his face out of nowhere. That's so dumb. And he's really as smart as can be about it. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. I didn't mean to. Um, uh, You know, again, yes. Situations diffuse. You think, okay, great. Guy comes back with his friends like a few minutes later and gets in his face again. Sean Rogers, now the guy's like really in his face. And Sean Rogers cocks back the big left. Okay. Which probably weighs 200 pounds. Oh, my God. And he knocked the guy. It was like a movie. The guy, he hit the guy square in the face, and it was like he flew up in the air and landed in the middle of the dance floor, and everybody was like, whoa, what the hell? Where'd he fall from? And everybody was like, nice punch. And the music started. He got charged. Damn. And the cops were uh, were finding him. I witnessed it. (sighs) Saw it right there. The guy's continuing to push him. I think he might have been like dancing with a girl that they knew or was one of their girlfriends yes. or whatever it may be. Yeah. But he tried to defuse it. They came back. They got in his face. He even like tried to go like, hey, guys, I'm good, whatever. They continued to push forward mm. him. There came the big left, and that was it. And yeah, all of a sudden he's in court and having to deal with that when he really did nothing and tried to defuse it. The one thing that I would ask all of our listeners, because I think we have a very educated and intelligent people, is we are not saying... 
that all football players are innocent, Mm -hmm. and we're definitely not saying that all football players are guilty. But unfortunately with NFL players, unlike NBA and other sports where I feel like they get a little benefit of the doubt, because of recent storylines that have affected the league, people are very willing to say that they're guilty immediately. To me, there were two big waves. Mm -hmm. When Roger Goodell first took over the NFL, and he had an off-season of punishing arrest, Tank Johnson, Pac-Man Jones, that was the first time where I felt like people looked at NFL NFL players as criminals before it went to court. The second wave was the the off-season of domestic violence Mm -hmm. with the Ray Rices of the world and all those stories. Those individual incidents were awful. But I think what happened was it painted all NFL players in that brush. And now, any time there's a domestic disturbance, we go, there's a problem in the NFL. There are 53 players on 32 rosters. That's 3,000. That's not including the 20 on every team that are on the practice squad and the dozens to hundreds to thousands that don't make a roster Mm -hmm. every year. There's a huge amount. There's 15 guys on an NBA roster. I know. There's like 20 on an NHL. I know. It's part of the reason why I look at the NFL and I go, the meat market, we just cycle them in and out. We cycle them in and out. They're a little bit more disposable in our mind because there are so many stories of a guy goes down, a guy picks them up because there's so many out there. But this way of ruining people's lives before they go to court, all I ask our intelligent fan base and our listeners is let's just wait. You don't need a verdict before you go to court. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I'm happy that this happened with Ruben. I'm sorry that he went through it. And this, this ex-girlfriend, that uh, Ennis, that's going through all this, I hope she can find I peace. I hope she gets her right I her hope life she, corrected as well. I hope so, I, too. Me, too. I'm with I just, you. This one I'm happy about because I don't like when it's like, we told you he was troublesome in the draft prospect. Right. We knew that he was going to be an ingrate that was going to go to the NFL and get all hopped up on money and smack a person and then spend it. Like, I hate when those come true. Yeah, I know. I hate when those mm-hmm. come true. So I'm happy this didn't. Yep. Let's end on a positive note. We used to refer to J.J. Watt as a corny dude, but guess what? He's a great dude. He's out corny in us again. He, it's, it, at this point now, Russell Wilson, where you just go, that's who he is. J.J. Watt, that's just who he that's is, who man. He is. He's going to pay for Captain the America. 10 victims' funerals from the Santa Fe High School shooting. Um, he is somebody that, it's exhausting to do charity. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to take yourself away from your job and to spend it on other people. That's the reason we get so impressed when people give back, because that time could be spent on family or friends or relaxation or your job. But to constantly be putting yourself out there and doing that, it really is incredible. And I want to say that, JJ, for a long time, uh, I thought you were corny. But the true thing is, is I think that you're actually a nice person. Yeah. And I I, I want to say the same thing for Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. I think you're just a nice person. Yes. I'm not nice all the time. You're not nice all the time. So sometimes nice gets turned into you're just corny doing this for attention. We see it all the time. It's like we used to talk about with Dave Caldwell. Like mm. we, we got on him why? Because he was nice and was politely, Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell politely answered questions at a media conference. Oh, he's he's not. Yeah, you're right. He's not I mean, a good enough coach. He's not a good enough coach because he he says please and thank you. Yeah. So to JJ Watt, man, I salute you, dude. Mm-hmm. That's it's an incredible it's thing. Uh, he already won NFL Man of the Year and. 
And I think what's crazy is he's a Hall of Famer for on-field talent. And as I think his play is going to diminish these next few years, who he's becoming off the field, he might be able to keep that celebrity and fame because of such being such a good guy. It's pretty cool to see. It is. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Man. When it's over, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. Hall of Famer right now, even if he never plays again? Yeah, Hall of Famer. Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, come on. Some of those years he put together... NFL defense MVPs. I mean, you, we talk about fucking the play up stat. Gosh damn, he was one of the inventors of it. I there mean, was that year when he had all those interceptions and deflected passes and touchdowns yes. where I was legitimately making the case that he's the most valuable player yeah, in the Yeah, I know NFL. you were, and it was a good case. Who, because what? it was also like he had he took a team to the playoffs that yeah. had no right to be there, mm-hmm. and it was the only defensive player that actually got it done. Yeah. I don't remember what year that was. I know, I can't remember who the MVP was either, but it was... Probably Brady. Yeah, either him or Rogers, it was, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's amazing. And in fact, if he just puts, he's he's probably even right now, if he doesn't play, he's in the conversation for first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, wow. if he didn't play, never down. I think he's again, he was the best defensive player in football for like five years, about five years, right? I mean, he had, what is he? He had twenty two and a half sacks one year. Kurt Warner can get in the NFL Hall of Fame. So can uh, yeah, guys. Thank you so much. A lot of topics. The NFL does not sleep anymore. And if you need people to keep you up to date, it's the Players Podcast. Sims, Lefko, we're never going to feed you bullshit. We're never going to feed you the stories that you think you need to know, but you don't really need to know. And we're going to go in depth for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say, good "Good evening. evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E man says, good night. We're going to be back in two days. Love you so much. Hit us up at Sims and Lefko. Holler at you later.